Wherever you find money, you will find criminals. And the crypto world is a veritable feast for those seeking to steal from unsuspecting hodlers. In this show, you'll meet four individuals who have been hacked by unscrupulous people. Some attacks were successful, others were not. But you'll discover what thieves are doing to easily access your beloved Bitcoin and how you can guard yourself against similar attacks. It's not Halloween, but it is time for some horror stories. Journey with us to the dark side as we share tales from the crypto, terrifying tales of stolen coins, and how you can avoid maybe the same fate. It's a very scary episode number 112 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. This is a crazy episode this week. You almost sound like a little French bad guy. Is a crazy episode, no? No? <laughs> there are bad evil demons out there to, to, to steal our crypto. Maybe you must beware because he's very scary. Uh, welcome, friends, to the Bad Crypto Podcast. We are bad, and this show is going to get serious. Because the subject matter is super serious. It's not all fun and games in the crypto world. If you guys had tuned in to one of the early episodes, badco.in episode 041, uh, you could hear about my experience in getting hacked. We were very early on in the show. And, uh, you know, they, I guess they were thinking we were inexperienced. All my cryptos was locked down. It has been locked down. And, um, you know, it's offline. It's none of my cryptos are available easily to access on an online world. And uh, but uh, episode 41 and also uh, episode 42, where I actually hacked the hacker back. Yeah. I was able to figure out who that was. So that's uh, badco.in041. Too. Yeah. And so that's where we were. But now we've chatted with a whole bunch of other people who have also had similar scenarios happen to them. Mm -hmm. And you, and we're going to meet him here and, and go back. If you haven't heard those episodes with Travis's story, because you're going to want to hear not only how he was hacked, but how he then found the hacker and told him to apologize and call him and call Travis King Daddy great story king daddy it's right and then maybe i'll forgive him yeah this uh this episode you know, is uh, brought to you by something that's not scary something super exciting in fact the zilla app the ico app is finally in the apple app store android's coming soon but right now with the zilla app you can download this to find icos and you can check out the t's of the uh, of the icos the team the timeline the token the tech and where allowable by law, you'll be able to participate in the ICO directly through the app. The wallet and chat are coming soon. This is a, an early build of the app, and you can download it in the iOS App Store. Look for the Zilla app, Z-I-L-L-A. It's available for you today. Hey. Hey. Void were prohibited. Not, not available in all states. Bad Ripple voicemail. You have one new message. Hey, Joel. Hey, Travis. Hope you're both staying bad. This is Dan Sigarich out of uh, Austin, Texas. Uh, actually got, got a chance to watch you guys uh, on Monday uh, at South by Southwest um, at the Hotel Van Zant. You guys were awesome. The uh, reason I was calling, though, kind of a funny story. I've been a longtime listener. And for the first 20 episodes, I actually, uh, you know, I, I hadn't known you from, from previous things. It's the first my first exposure to both of you. Um, I had your voices mixed up. I thought Joel's voice belonged to Travis, and I thought Travis's voice belong to Joel. And uh, when I, I think episode 20, I finally watched one of your YouTube episodes and I watched you guys talking and I was like, oh my gosh, you guys are, you know, I, I, I had you two mixed up. So uh, I thought it was kind of funny. Wanted to share that, but uh, stay bad. Love the podcast and uh, keep doing bad things. Hey, Joel. Hey, Travis. It's Snail from Arizona. And I just want to let you guys know that I did something really, really bad. I deleted my Facebook. That means I'm out of a bad crypto mastermind. So, just want to let you know, guys. Sorry. 
So love you. All right. Stay back. We love to get questions and comments from you guys, and we want you to call us. And Mr. Travis Wright has got the phone number memorized by heart. It is 708-885-9030. Yeah, call us. You might show up here on a future episode of the Bad Crypto Podcast. and this, Which is also the code to my Trezor. <laughs> uh, this fellow here deleted his Facebook. Many, many people are. And that means he can't access the mastermind group. That is true. But I want you guys to know that you know, we are talking deeply here at the HQ of the Republic of Bad Cryptopia about starting um, a group off of Facebook where we would have complete control and not give it all to the Zuck. So we'll keep you guys posting on that. Yes. I think that's a great idea because we want to be able to control all of our own data, right? I want to control my data. That's correct. I do. I want to control my data. I don't I don't want Mr. Data Accumulator up there from Star Trek. Other ways to get a hold of us, write us at badcryptopodcast at gmail.com or go to the website at badcryptopodcast.com. Click the contact us link. We see every message that comes in and we don't have time to respond to them all, but we do love to hear from you guys. Well, Travis doesn't see them all. Well, you could if you wanted to. That is it's true. Just, it's not that you don't see them. It's that you're not looking. That's true. I do look at some of them. Uh, the Only the entertaining ones. The, only only the sexy So ones. if you want Travis's uh, attention, then you have to be entertaining and sexy. You got to say it in a sexy accent. I mean, it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. So so enough jokes. Enough jokes, I guess. Now we're getting into some serious stuff here, Mr. Jolcom. And uh, we have four tales from the crypto from folks who had uh, their cryptos hacked or their tokens taken. And um, this is not all fun and games. The rest of this episode here is a little bit solemn, but it's very important that you listen to it because this stuff could happen to you very easily. You know, you listen to the so-called experts, of which we are not because we're bad. And, you know, everybody talks about how to go ahead and secure your cryptos and you do the best you can. And yet there are times that you still lose your cryptos. And one of our listeners, Nicole, wrote us to tell us her story. And, and we wanted to bring her on here so that you guys could hear about this and the hopes that maybe you would um, avoid the same fate. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to Bad Crypto. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, Nicole, as someone who has myself been hacked, right? They didn't get steal any of the cryptos, uh, but they don't have to because I'm really good at losing my own crypto. So they don't have to, they don't have to steal mine. I'll just lose it myself. Um, so my, I'm, I, I empathize for you. You've, you've lost some crypto along the way. Somebody had hacked you. So what, what, what happened? What, what was going on that, uh, that, that, that this happened to you? Well, I'll start with, you know, how I got down the crypto rabbit hole. Cause it's really been quite the ride for me. You know, in December of 2015, I first learned about crypto from a friend and him and his cousin were contemplating building miners. A little bit about my background, I'm actually a former ER nurse uh, who's transitioned to healthcare project management. And, you know, I really didn't have much, if any, of a tech background. But from the moment that I heard about crypto and blockchain, I just was really passionate about the technology and I could see the writing on the wall in terms of how disruptive this technology was going to be. So long story short, the three of us partnered and we built miners and mined Ethereum um, in the beginning of 2016. And at the time it was, you know, worth about 10 or $12 a coin. So it felt like more felt like more like a hobby at that point um, and kind of just a wacky little story to tell, but it quickly became something else. So fast forward to August of 2017, um, the price had gone very quickly just in a matter of months from, you know, the $10, $12 range to around $300. And at that point, I really realized that I needed to bump up my security. So I had ordered a Ledger Blue at that time, and it was on back order for several months. And 
in between the time that I ordered it and when it arrived, somebody hacked me. I was using my Ether wallet, which, you know, I had with my limited knowledge, but from my crypto friends had understood that to be the most secure place to keep it short of a hard wallet. Which method were you using, Nicole? Were you using a JSON or, uh, you know, or you were using the Nano, the ex- an external wallet with my Ether not, wallet, right? No, I was using the JSON. Mm-hmm. What were yeah, you, what were yeah. you, a JSON? So long story short, when I logged in to, in an attempt to transfer my ETH onto the ledger, I did not connect to the ledger or anything. So it wasn't an issue with the ledger itself, but um, in one single transaction, somebody depleted 324 Ethereum from my account. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. Big ouch. (laughs) Big, big ouch. So, you know, I've spent the last seven months racking my brain about what could have happened. And, you know, there's several scenarios. We could probably spend the entire podcast talking through those. Um, But at this point, it's neither here nor there. You know, there are, the most obvious things I can guarantee I didn't do. I didn't open any suspicious emails or click on any links. I didn't share my private keys. I didn't accidentally send the ether to a random address, uh, things like that. So what about a, a key logger, you know, cause that's um, I, I know that key loggers are one way that people are having crypto stolen. And another way is with a script that changes the address when you yeah. go to send. Yeah, I know another possibility is that, you know, and I haven't validated this, so don't hold me to it. But through Reddit, one of the users informed me that there was potentially a malicious link on the actual My Ether Wallet site. Um, so, you know... We could go through a, many different scenarios, but long story short is I learned my lesson the hard way and I'm really passionate about telling my story and helping others to learn how to avoid some of the same mistakes. Because like you said, it's not always hacking. It's just as easy to make some of these mistakes yourself and lose everything. So you mentioned you had it on my Ether wallet. And then did you ever connect it to any device? So you never connected it to the Ledger uh, Blue or the Ledger uh, Nano. You didn't have a device. No, it was only there on that. So, yeah, that's interesting. I've, I've read of some people having, you know, having clicked on my Ether wallet, but maybe those wallets were yeah. a one or an I or something, right? And so you never, you never know. So it looks like wallet. And there's been some cases where I've seen where they've had like, Binance and they'd had like underneath the end there was like a dot and like you wouldn't even see that you know so there's like so many different uh ways to get hacked so that's so that's very unfortunate so what once you found out that you got hacked what what could you do what 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 was your steps after that like Mm -hmm. because i know besides freaking out because that's what i would do um i was freaking out whenever you know the dude hacked my phone called up t-mobile switched my sim card over to his phone and now he has my phone number on his device and was able to then two-factor authenticate and i didn't have that on and so he now i now my phone's all locked down like crazy uh it's like fort knox apparently they i i have to go to the store show my passport my uh, my id before they'll even switch sim cards and stuff so what was your what was your course of action like what what could you do after that's been done is there anything you can do Well the first step was taking the fetal position for a couple of days <laughs> and, mm. I mean it was just so devastating you know I'm a sin- single income family being a single mom this was really you know my one opportunity in life I felt that I had truly kind of made something for myself and my daughter above and beyond, you know, being a nurse and helping people in that way. Um, But yeah, it was a grieving process. And then after I got through that, I knew I had to take some action. So I, of course, filed a report with the FBI. um, And then I just reached out to my community. Um, You know, the thing about crypto, especially if you don't have the experience or you don't have a real strong community in terms of people with a tech background is it can be quite isolating. Luckily I had been pretty involved with my local Ethereum meetup and, 
you know, I had a couple of friends that were also mining, but above and beyond that, you really have to lean on things like Reddit um, to connect with people, especially a couple years ago when, you know, it was a lot less common that people even knew about crypto. So, you know, I reached out to Reddit and although there were some helpful uh, individuals on there, I was really quite surprised at the amount of backlash that I got on on that platform. Uh, that's unfortunate. People yeah. people can be brutal. You know, there's just something about this keyboard cowboy mentality that uh, some people you just if that's you and you're out there just being abusive because you feel anonymous, you weren't raised right. I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm not here to whine about Reddit trolls like we've all encountered them. Right. But, you know, it really did open my eyes to the fact that you know, this crypto blockchain, this community, it was designed to be by the people for the people. And I really connected with the community. And all of a sudden, I felt like that same community was kicking me while I was down. They were throwing things in my face about being a single mom and a nurse. And somehow that discounted the validity of my story. And I think we just need to be really careful about how exclusive we're being in this space. We really don't have the flexibility if we want to work towards mass adoption. Um, we can't afford to be exclusive. Well, you're, you're in the right community now yeah. because you're, you're in the bad community. And, okay. and we accept you, Nicole. My question is, is, uh, is the FBI actually doing anything on your behalf or do they just take the report and, and that's really the end of it? It's hard to say at this point. Um, I will tell you, I'm definitely not holding my breath. But that being said, um, it's still up in there. So let me ask you this, Nicole. What would be your advice to people who are in crypto now who want to ensure that they don't get their crypto stolen? Like, what steps would you give them? What advice would you give them based on what you've learned so far from that? Question. So it's really quite complicated and it's evolving. So what you learn one day in the crypto space can change. And these criminals are really evolving sometimes faster than we can keep up with. So there's really not a lot of support, especially for people that are um, maybe don't have a strong tech background and really just need that basic knowledge. Um, and so after this happened, to kind of loop back to that last question, I kind of got back on the horse and I realized that there's a problem and I'd like to help solve it. So I started a company called Crypto Consults where I provide just that. And I'm not saying that my company is the only place you can get this, but um, investing in crypto is a process for which people often skip some of the most important steps. And a lot of that hard work is front loaded. And if we don't take the time to really learn about crypto, learn about what we're investing in, learn about the risks involved and the potential mistakes that can be made, that's when you hear stories like this. And I can assure you, I put in plenty of time and research and connected with my com community and it's still a risk. And so I would like to help people um, really learn about that up front and make more informed decisions. Well, Nicole, thanks for coming and telling your story. We'll have a link to your uh, website in the show notes and hopefully uh, be able to help others avoid the same perils that uh, have embroiled you. Thanks so much for having me. This porting of uh, cell phone numbers is, is really epidemic. Travis and you know from the ordeal you went through and then me trying to you know get my carrier to lock down my service this is bad news it is you know one of the challenges i think for the masses to truly adopt crypto is they don't know how you know these hackers are 
so sophisticated, right? They're, they're using some, some social engineering. They're not necessarily hacking in the old sense of where they're just trying to type in your password and, 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 uh, or, or do DDoS or whatever. They're literally using social engineering, trying to find the weakest link, which is the person in customer support. So these customer support reps, they really need to be trained to not do these blind SIM card swaps because it's happening quite too often. Well, and we have with us a gentleman who wishes to remain anonymous, but his name may or may not be John Doe, uh, and he has a story to tell. So uh, welcome, John, to Bad Crypto. Uh, thank you. T- tell us what happened with you, and, and who, uh, do you want to share who the carrier was? Sure. Yeah, it was uh, T-Mobile. They seem to be pretty famous for this now. Yeah, it's my favorite. Okay, so what happened? Yeah, so um, I was working one night, late one night, and uh, all of a sudden I, I could see in my browser uh, my Google accounts starting to log log me out. So I thought that was strange. And then I went to log back in and it said, your password has, has been changed two minutes ago. Mm. And so I reached for my phone and I realized I had no service. And that's that's when it really hit me that I was I was being hacked and I've mm. read about this hack before uh, I just didn't I, I never thought that I would become a target <laughs> mm-hmm. did you get that text from T-Mobile that said hopefully we we helped you out with all of your needs today that that <laughs> was the that was the thing I got I saw that like I was in bed and I saw that I go that was weird I didn't I didn't message I didn't do anything with T-Mobile but I didn't think about it and then I woke up the next day I didn't have phone service. And so I rebooted the phone. I still didn't have phone service. And then I was like, immediately, I was like, oh, no, I've been SIM card swapped, I bet. And I didn't even know that my other accounts had been hacked at that time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't get any kind of notification at all. Uh, I, but I, I was I, I was probably right on top of it because it happened in real, you know, I, I was watching it happen in real time. Mm. How did we do with their service today? Well, you helped criminals steal my stuff. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go on, Mr. Doe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so w- once I realized I was I was being hacked, I, uh, I actually jumped on. Well, the only way I can contact T-Mobile was through uh, their social media accounts. So I got on the horn with them to try to um, get them to switch back my 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 number reactivate the the sim card that they deactivated that took several hours i was online i went through i don't know like four or five reps and i had to re-explain every single time what was going on it was it was a nightmare do they act like you were stupid like really like nobody does this like every rep that i talked to when i was trying to get mine turned back on they were act like they'd never even heard of this happening and i really they thought i was silly yep yeah, not the same thing. Um, even when I went to T-Mobile the following morning, this happened all around like midnight, one o'clock. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep, same for me. And uh, I went to T-Mobile the next morning. I, I had already got my service back by then, uh, luckily. But uh, the the service rep I talked to on the phone and in the in the store, they both they've never heard of this happening, and they didn't even know how it would be possible. So uh, supposedly they have you know systems in check to to prevent these kinds of ident- identity thieving swaps of SIM cards, but uh, they definitely didn't, and uh, it, it still remains to be seen how how exactly it, that was able to happen. Mm-hmm. So did, course, I actually had to get on. I had to get on Skype and use my Skype in, to call T-Mobile to go through the whole process. And luckily, I have a couple of other phones on my account, and so I was able to get them to send a text to my son's phone number to verify that I was the owner of that account. Yeah. And and that was crazy. So what happened? What was the cascading effect of them getting access to your SIM? I once I realized I was being hacked and I was trying to get my number back. I was also I also humped on another email of my a secure email of mine and I messaged myself uh, that uh, so the hacker essentially used my phone number to get into my Gmail account, mm. um, which I had two factor authentication set up, but the way Google 
um, forces you to do it is that you have to put in your phone number first and then you have to go back afterwards after you set up another two-factor mechanism. You have to go back and then delete your phone number. And that's, I guess, a step that I overlooked and that's how they got in. So they got control of my Gmail account, my phone number, and then from my Gmail account, they started resetting uh, all my crypto exchange uh, accounts. So they tr- they tried to. Luckily, I had two factor authentication set up on on all of those, so he couldn't actually break into those. However, I, and like I was saying, I so I hopped on uh, my private email account and I messaged myself, knowing that the hacker would get it, telling him to to stop and give give me back my account give me back my account you evil hacker yeah i know the feeling it sucked that, that didn't that didn't work out so well he <laughs> handed 50 bitcoin for me to hand or for him to hand back over my account 50 bitcoin yeah wow. yeah and yeah and this was during you know the whole run-up of, of last year or two so it was it was it was a lot he was asking for a lot so he but, was asking for that he didn't get that well so unfortunately um my security practices uh were not as good as they are now and i had been in the process of transferring wallets uh shifting from wallets uh, some of my, some of my crypto and like an idiot i had put one of my private keys on my Google drive. Oh yeah. So he, he found it and he drained it and he drained it all. And so, and it it was a substantial amount. So he, uh, so I was messaging him and he was asking for more Bitcoin and, and um, he eventually ended up calling me because he had my Google account and it, 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 my my Google account had my Google Voice number set up through it, so he called me through the Google, my Google Voice. I was on the phone with my girlfriend at the time, and and uh, uh, the the number of my Google Voice was ringing in on my line, and and I knew that the hacker was calling me, uh, so it kind of tripped me out. It tripped me out. It was it was crazy. So I ended up talking to my hacker. I was able to record uh, most of the conversation. Hello, I'll be your hacker today. Press one to discover just how much money I've taken from you. Press two to discover how I intend to do it again. Yeah, so it was it was pretty nuts. And um, you know, he he was still trying to get into my accounts. He was asking me for the two factor codes uh, to some of my exchange uh, accounts, and uh, and he threatened my to put my kids' pictures on the dark web if I didn't. If I didn't send him more Bitcoin, um, so it, it was just a very traumatic experience, and uh, I, I, we, I, I did report this to the FBI and also my local police department agency. The FBI never got back to me. I actually talked to a couple of uh, agents in the FBI, and none of them followed my case. But, but the, my local. Uh, police department uh, cyber security detective actually did follow up my case and he actually got pretty far filing subpoenas with T-Mobile and Google and other places uh, trying to track down who did this and uh, we got pretty far but uh, the hacker he hit his tracks well so unfortunately he's gone away to this day. So how does this um, change how you're dealing with your crypto going forwards to secure what you've got. Yeah, that's the most important thing is, is uh, for one, don't ever keep your private keys on online anywhere, even if, if it's on your quote unquote private drive, because uh, all it takes is, is one time for you to get, get hacked like this. And, uh, and there's no way to tell that you're going to get targeted. I, I, there's no way I could have guessed that I was going to be a target. I just, you know, I just thought people in the space that were more well known 
uh, were the only ones that were going to be targeted. Mm. Uh, now, you talk, are, you, are you public at all? Are you talking a lot about crypto or how you have crypto? How, how would this person even have known that you would have, that you have crypto? Yeah, well, so I am a meetup organizer for a, a, a Bitcoin meetup group. Gotcha. It's pretty. It's pretty substantial. And, and I mean, if you if you're on my Facebook page, then uh, yeah, you, you mm-hmm. would. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. So, but this person didn't seem like anybody I I knew or would be affiliated with. But uh, you, you just never know with these guys. I mean, they just they can they can connect the dots from other hacks that they did. Um, if if somebody you were in contact with that they they've hacked before they can they can see who who is in the same has the same interest and whatnot and then you become a target and it just keeps going well sorry this happened to you but we appreciate you sharing your story and uh acting as a warning sign for others yeah no i i highly advise everybody to really take the time to secure uh, yourself learn how to secure yourself um, get uh, your cold wallets and, and uh, hardware wallets know how to use them know how to secure your private keys uh, well that's that's what's going to protect you makes sense man my heart goes out to you mr john doe hopefully other john does and jane does are not having the problem hopefully this uh, episode here inspires people to go out and get one of those cold storage wallets or put their crypto on a paper wallet or just to get it off of online and certainly not to put any of their private keys on Google Drive or um, information inside your Gmail because if they can get your phone number, they can get inside all kinds of things and to make sure to two-factor authenticate every single account that you can, right? Yes, absolutely. So, folks, remember back in October, there was a, we have a couple episodes where we talk about my getting hacked and someone had contacted t-mobile apparently they had pulled my social security number off of the the uh, the dark web and were then able to access they were able to call t-mobile get my phone number switched over to their phone then they were able to get my gmail get my travisright.com uh get my twitter get my apple id and then i was then able to get all of that back and then hack the hacker and then delete his phone. And, and we had this nice, fun, uh, fun time. But I tell you what, this is happening more and more, and it is not fun. And again, with our tales from the crypto, uh, we have with us uh, a nice lady who has also been hacked. Welcome to Bad Crypto. Thank you. Uh, good to be on the show. Thanks for the invite. I also did get hacked. I was uh, probably about two or three months ago now, and it was pretty scary. Uh, well, because you don't understand what's happening at first, right? You're like, oh, it says no signal. And then I put it on my Facebook and I said, hey, anyone else having any carrier issues? Right. right? You're like, hey, that's weird. And then all of a sudden, everyone writes uh-huh. back in the crypto community and says, hey, it's SIM hijacking. Check with AT&T now. Like, go to your carrier. And of course, they don't really take you seriously at first. They're like, well, yeah, your phone's not working because it's pointing to a Node 3. I'm like, well, what is that? Is it a server on your Node? It's because he was not pronouncing correctly. And he was saying, no, it's pointing to an Android phone, Samsung Node 3. And so it, I put two and two together and he realized I wasn't bluffing, that like somebody's probably hacking my account. And we discovered that they had gone into a AT&T third-party manager some place near my home and pretended to be somehow, I think it seems as though they compromised the AT&T carrier employee because he did managerial overrides on my account to get into my hmm. Once again, the human element is the weakest link. Exactly. What also hmm. is interesting, it's also the carrier element. Like if you can buy somebody off, you know, that's kind of scary to think about. You compromise mm-hmm. one person and say you can make triple the money that you're making here in one day. You know, then you. I discovered that they actually probably compromised my entire account because uh, I ended up activating a different phone number that was in my account prior and uh, to use as my real num- number. And then they ended up calling me for weeks on end on both phone numbers, sometimes simultaneously, to try and get me on the phone. So they were. 
So they were literally, not only did they hack you once you got it back, then they kept harassing yeah. you. And they probably still are calling nice. that number, but I don't, I, it's, I've, you know, not using that phone anymore because. Would you say mm-hmm. you were just harassed or would you also say you were harangued? Oh, I don't know. I think it was harassed or harangued. It could be both. Yeah. I actually ended up talking to two of them on the phone initially when I was going through trying to get my access back to my accounts and kicking them off. They, at some point, somehow texted me and made it seem as though they were Google support. And I ended up talking to two gentlemen back to back. You call them gentlemen loosely, though, because they clearly weren't. Yes, loosely. And it was frightening because they seemed like tech support, right? They said they'll help you out. And it's also a phishing. There was a phishing scam element to this because they were actually trying to get me to also pay for cybersecurity services for a lifetime. So it's very interesting. Um, they're very sneaky. I would be extremely cautious and careful and never use two-factor authorization. I think that's the bigger thing as well with the carrier. On the carrier side, we're learning that two-factor authorization is a giant cybersecurity vulnerability. Um, they're coming after Bitcoiners now because they're saying, you know, it's hard to trace Bitcoins that go disappearing, but you can trace bank account information and everything like that. But I think if mass consumers become their target, Two-factor authorization is going to become this nightmare for carriers to deal with because they've been telling people it's a secure avenue. Okay, I, I want to I want to dive into that because that's been one of the things that we've been sharing with folks is two-factor authentication. If I had two-factor authentication on my Gmail, they wouldn't have been able to get into it. If I had had two-factor authentication on my Apple ID, they wouldn't have been able to get into it. They wouldn't have been able to get into my Twitter. Uh, and so there's no real two-factor authentication within T-Mobile that I know of. However. I've had to call in and tell them that under no circumstance do you do a SIM card swap over the phone. If I want to do a SIM card swap, I need to come into the store and show more than one ID. And and so that's, you know, been what I've had to do. But I don't keep any of my crypto online anywhere. I don't keep it on my mobile phones. I don't keep it on my computer. It's all off my computer. So there's no point of anybody trying to hack me because I'm I'm savvy enough to not keep it on any of my devices, right? And so I think that, you know, that's one of the determinants. Now, now is is what what was what would you say about this two-factor authentication? Why do you say that it's not effective? Well, if you have it enabled um cuz at the time I had it for my Gmail, but it's funny because all these other third-party services, your bank account, your Gmail, your Dropbox. I mean, you know, I have friends left, right, and center that have gotten SIM hijacked. And literally the weakest point of entry is they hijack your SIM. They all of a sudden have master account access to all of your accounts. You go and reset your passwords and it goes straight to them, you know, and you're basically giving them the keys to your entire life online. And it's scary because you could just you don't really need a password anymore. You're just giving them the master key. To your, it's like giving somebody the front door to your, a key to your house, right? Well, if they have access to your phone number, yeah. But to access those other accounts, you have to have that Google Authenticator or you have to have Authy on your device to be able to type in those codes to be able to actually get into those accounts. So I think using your phone as an SMS for two-factor authentication, that's where you get in the problems, right? Exactly. Although... Some people are starting to debate whether or not Authy would be, you know, if it, if Authy is going to work because they're saying if you hijack the SIM and then you just create a new instance of Authy on your phone and it's mapped to that account, would it still, maybe it'll still be able to be hacked into but what I've done now is just as a precaution is I have my authenticator on a separate phone on a prepaid SIM that nobody knows the number of. So they're not going to be able to get in. I would say they're not going to be able to get in. I'm using a different email address. So basically, it seems like when you get in to crypto and security, you almost have to think like a hacker to think like, OK, how are they going to come at me? Oh, they're going to try to switch my phone number. All right. So I need to use a phone number that nobody knows. To, to store all my stuff on. And then I probably ought to use an email that's not listed somewhere for some of this other stuff uh, just because it's, it's a challenge. And for mass adoption of crypto, that's going to be a challenge, huh? Um, not just crypto. Actually, if you think about it, it could be anybody doing any banking online. I mean, imagine if they decided they don't really care about getting nabbed by the feds, right? Or paper trails. And so they get really, really sophisticated, the hackers, and they decide to just hack into anybody. Like, but I think in the future, this is a bigger than crypto problem. 
crypto is just like the weakest link right now. And so they're taking care, advantage of the vulnerability that, you know, once you steal crypto, who knows? It's very hard to track it back down. You could go and spend it or whatever they're trying to do with it. But it's really fascinating because it becomes a giant cybersecurity nightmare. And I think the bigger thing is the overarching theme is that cybersecurity is going to be a very important part of everybody's lives, not just organizations. Mobile carriers, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. Right. But the good news is, Tina, is that you didn't actually have, you didn't lose anything, right? No, but they did try. I mean, I think they tried to hack into my Coinbase account several times. And then they, mm-hmm. they tried to steal your dignity. That's what they tried to steal. Right. It, well, that's the thing. It's very, it is scary when you get hacked. It does take over your life. It takes, it took me at least a month to figure out how to stay secure. Right. And my entire AT&T account is compromised. So I have a whole new different setup and you do need to have multiple phone numbers and you don't give out your direct line anymore. And it, it, it teaches you a lot of lessons, but it's unfortunate because you would want to exist in a society where you don't just go around trying to rob each other of your money, right? ideally. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a crazy space. So what maybe what final words of wisdom might you give someone who is maybe new to crypto or maybe just concerned about their banking account? How would you suggest uh, people help secure themselves? Well, even on your account, you said um, you are telling them you have to go in physically. I would say maybe that's not even good enough. Like, it's really scary these days. Somebody I know, um, somebody went in and impersonated their spouse. Well, then they would have video of that person. So the FBI would actually be able to catch the fraud whenever it's going over the phone through, you know, who even knows what phone number they're using to call in. I mean, it's easier to sort of hide themselves. If they start going in and trying to do that in person, there's going to be videos of those people. You know, nothing is impossible when people want what they want. I guess this is what I've learned is don't store your Bitcoins on the web anywhere or anywhere that touches the web if you can do it just just cold storage it and um get really savvy i mean you need to start really listening and thinking about your cybersecurity. and if you're in crypto you're probably working on a crypto product as well and within the organization you should really be considering all of the ways that you could keep your account holdings and client holdings a crypto safe yeah uh your trees or your your ledger nano uh you know cold storage paper wallet just bring it offline, gang. We've said it a zillion times, and uh, you know you can't you can't touch this if it's not out there where people can uh, steal it over the internet. You know, thanks for sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me on the show. And Mr. Wright, we're going to open up the crypto one more time because we have another tale, uh, another person who wishes to remain anonymous, who will be known as Jimmy Doe, John Doe's brother. He's twin. They're twins. And uh, they unfortunately also had the problem of someone trying to hack them, and or, or even more than once. How are you doing, Mister Mister Jimmy? Great. How about yourself? You know, we're 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 doing okay. These are some solemn tales that we are sharing uh, on this particular episode, and uh, we we wanted to uh, to chat with you because you are you've been hacked more than once. Oh yeah, um, it's uh, I've had the SIM swap attack done on me uh, three times in the last six months, and uh, previous to that, <laughs> numerous other ones. In fact, this morning uh, they broke into one of the uh, test wallets that we had sitting out there. So, you know, my goodness! So, so what telephone co- provider are you are you with, or are you with multiple ones, or what's what's the story? What's happening on that? Well, I'm a T-Mobile, but it's happening to every uh, phone company. It's basically somebody goes in with a an ID. It doesn't even have to be a very good fake ID. And uh, they claim to be you. They have your phone number and they ask for a new SIM card. person behind the counter looks at the card briefly and in five minutes, they're walking out with a new SIM card. They have your phone and uh, they use that to start resetting passwords in your email and uh, other accounts to start gaining access to things and seeing what you have. That's craziness. That, you know... Um, I, I finally, I'm not revealing who my carrier is, but after many calls back and forth with them, I can't get anything done with them at all unless, you know, I pretty much draw blood now. Um, that's how much I've had them lock down my uh, um, my stuff. But well, 
this last time I, I, you know, I told them previously that unless I have my passport, my driver's license and my pilot's license, don't issue anything. Well, don't do anything. Mm. And when this last uh, event happened, I came into JFK. I walked to went to the very first T-Mobile store. I'm telling him and his manager the story. And what do they do? They just asked for my driver's license. I said, is that it? Yeah. I'm like, well, isn't there anything more? In page three, they have, oh, you're supposed to ask for more ID yeah, with this they customer. Don't, they don't but, look that far, though. That's No, they would never have. It's Their incentive is to sell you stuff. They don't think that you're in there. Like at a bank, they actually look at your ID. Here, they don't look at your ID. They're just like, oh, yeah, you know, here it's a $5. Nobody's, nobody's stealing a $5 SIM card. Well, yeah, they are. So, so what was actually lost? In this case, uh, nothing, because this is the third time they've done it to me. So everything's 2FA, uh, you know, offline. Uh, you know, there's nothing for them to access uh, directly as far as funds. Now, what has happened in the past, because you mentioned this is the third time. So that yeah. first time that this happened, there was some other previous ones. So, you know, what we're trying to get out of this for this episode for folks is to, to really give them the breadth of the idea of how they could potentially get hacked, how others have been hacked, and then what to do to protect them so they no longer get hacked and, and are, are secure because you know what the masses are coming towards crypto over time and you know the hackers are salivating at all of these noobs who don't know how to lock their stuff down don't hack me bro <laughs> yeah th- no this is a serious threat i mean uh people think that their their phone is secure um and you go into your email accounts and you use your phone as your backup right so if you lose your password you reset it to your phone well that's exactly how they get in they now have your phone so they the, the assumption is that's safe uh, you get your password, then they reset your password to your email accounts, and then they start in on the exchanges. And if you don't have 2FA on those exchanges, that's that's the end of it. They've got control of your accounts, and it's very, very difficult uh, to get control of your account back. Uh, I still don't have access to one of my uh, email accounts from from you know Hotmail. So they're basically uh, going, if we, know, if we know your public phone number, then we're going to try to steal that phone number, right? They have to know the number. To, to go after it yeah which is which is a trivial thing to do it's public it's almost public record at this point um you know you're the connection between the two so but, but what it what you know so one of the things that people talk about is getting um, a burner phone basically a number that you don't use for anything else other than your cryptos and your 2fa yeah i mean that protects you the, the problem is you lose the burner phone then you know resetting 2fa uh is, is extremely difficult on especially on exchanges uh you know you have to prove a lot of identity and, and again, that goes back to the main problem is you're doing all this AML KYC with with all the exchanges and you're doing that through your email. So once they have access to your email, they can prove who they they can prove that they're you better than you can prove you. Like, I don't know what email I sent last week. I, I don't have access to my account. Anymore. So they have to they have but, to know your email then. Well, right. So yeah. they start attaching. I mean, there's tools out there that they start attaching your identity together. They can they can look up pretty much anybody and put that those those pieces together. So then what's the solution then to maybe use an email only with the exchanges that you don't use anywhere else that's not attached to you anywhere, like maybe a Proton Mail or some other sort of encrypted email? Or what, what is the actual solution? That's part of it. And 2FA on your email, uh, you know, 2FA on your email, 2FA on your, on your exchanges. Uh, the burner phone is, is that extra step. Um, however, if you lose that you lose that phone, it's going to be very difficult to regain access to those accounts. It's going to take a long time, but that is the most secure way to do it. What if I want to switch phones? So if I want to switch phones and move my Authy over to uh, the other phone, um, is it the same? Is it what I got to deactivate them all over here on this other phone and move them over to this other phone? Is that how that works? Yeah, but it's easy enough to do if you have access to the account. It's when you lose access to your account or lose access to that 2FA that it's difficult to do. But if you, yeah, you could just move it over as long as you still had access to it. So so what are you doing now to really make sure everything's locked down? Which parts of it? Is it? Well, I've, I've, for a while, I've, I've had, I've been on 2FA. I do have a burner phone. Um, so again, they, they went after my main phone, which I may just get rid of and, and swap out and not even use anymore because it's useless. Um, you know, but I did have one account this last time they got into simply because I was resetting my security settings and, and then Microsoft doesn't let you do it for 30 days. So they, it just so happens that was one of the accounts which got them into Evernote, which got them into Xbox and it's got them into everything that, you know, is attached to Hotmail, uh, but no funds. That's crazy. So maybe final words of wisdom that you might say to somebody who has, you know, you, you, you're somebody who is very savvy, right? You're not, you're not a noob by any stretch of the imagination. You have some serious technical skills, and you've still been hacked multiple times. So I guess if you were to tell somebody who's just now getting into crypto, 
the process of what they should do to protect themselves to the best of their ability, what are those steps? First of all, assume that you can be hacked. No matter how secure you're going to be, no matter how smart you are, they're going to figure out a way. So yeah, this is SIM swaps are the latest and greatest this week, but just assume your stuff is going to be hacked and take precautions. Put two-factor authentication on absolutely everything. Uh, don't let them get into your email accounts. Once they have your email accounts, your identity is pretty much gone. They'll, they'll, they'll go through that and root out all your information. So protect that at all costs, even junk mail accounts. People have lots of those. Make sure you Which you can it. do on, on Gmail. Um, lock down your, you know, because uh, a lot of people use Gmail. Right. Now, so there's, there's two. Yeah, things. Gmail, I, I, Gmail is, I use, uh, you know, quite a lot because it, it is what I would consider pretty safe um, for security reasons. Okay. What else? Uh, you know, uh, un- unattach your, f- your phone from your life. You know, if you can do the burner phone and you're not afraid of losing it, definitely do that. That's going to protect you. Um, you know, it's, it's nothing like being on a flight and knowing that they've got your phone and they're act- trying to access your accounts and there's nothing you can do. You're completely locked out. And uh, they're, they're very, you know, watch what you say on Facebook. They're certainly watching their targets and waiting for opportune times. They got me this last time literally as I got on a flight leaving for Europe. Most people would have hit the ground, looked at their phone and go, oh, my phone's not working. But I immediately knew what was going on because this, this is a becoming a regular occurrence. What, what can we do for these carriers? Like, is it like, how do we get them to make this process more secure? Because I don't think they, I don't think they understand the severity of this, right? This, I got hacked back in October. That was six months ago. And the SIM card swaps are just only growing in, you know, reach now. They're happening more frequently, but these, these, you know, carriers aren't addressing the situation yet. What, what can we do? I mean, we, we just call in our carrier and tell them to give us the most secure and just hope and pray. Yeah, it's honestly not enough. Um, you know, t- talking to them, they do have like the law enforcement liaison that you talk to, but you know, they're just taking reports and they're not doing anything because there's there's nothing for them to do. There, there's the system itself is flawed. Um, that you could just take a SIM card and do that, and that we're relying on our phone numbers, you know, for security is a, is a flawed system. We shouldn't be building on top of that like a lot of. A lot of people are. I think we need to look in other directions. But I, I, what do we do with the phone company? I don't have a solution. Um, maybe a class action lawsuit makes it just so expensive for them, but I don't think that solves the problem. Mm. And it's not just here in the U.S. It's it's all across. It's happening everywhere. Those dirty hackers. <laughs> well, Jimmy, Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy D. Thank you uh, for sharing your story with us and the citizens of the Republic of Bad Cryptopia. We appreciate it. No problem. Be safe out there, guys. It's a bad <laughs> world. <laughs> Stay bad. Stay bad. We hope today's tales have been educational and informative and help you to secure your crypto so you do not end up as a tale from the crypto. For all of our fans and listeners in the Republic of Bad Cryptopia, guard your cryptos, my friends, and remember to stay bad. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.